Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. My message today is Control-Alt-Delete. Control-Alt-Delete. You say, what on earth are you talking about? Control-Alt-Delete is... um, Another simple title is Time to Reset. And what does that mean? What does that mean, Control-Alt-Delete? David Bradley uh, conceived the idea of Control-Alt-Delete. He was the designer of the original IBM personal computer. And it's a command on IBM PC-compatible systems that allows you to restart or reset your computer. It's sometimes called the three-finger salute. In fact, they're going to show you on the screen now here what it looks like. And you'll see the keys of what I'm referring to. This is the Control-Alt-Delete. Three fingers, Control-Alt-Delete. And it just resets the computer and allows you to take control of what's going on. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I have needed the three-finger salute. I've needed the Control-Alt-Delete. I've needed to restart or reset my life. Have you ever been at that moment in your life? I just wish I, just wish I could do this. Maybe a failed business venture. Maybe a relationship that didn't go quite the way you thought it was going to go. Maybe a misunderstanding that you say, man, I just wish I could just grab that three-finger salute. Or maybe something that you were sure that God told you to do this. And now you're asking yourself questions. Control all delete. Matthew 11 that I've asked you to turn to is a chapter of three entities that are going to go through Control-Alt-Delete. The first entity is a gentleman named John the Baptist, and we're going to come back to him in a minute. The second is the multitudes of people that started following Jesus. In the process of them following Jesus, they started criticizing him. In fact, in Matthew eleven nineteen, it says, Yet when the Son of Man came and went to feast, Jesus tells them, he said, Look, when I came and I started going to feast and I drank wine, you said, Look at this man. He's nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all his time with tax collectors and other affluent sinners. And Jesus says, You guys didn't get it. I, I was there and I was trying to be among you. And he said, you didn't, you didn't get the control-alt-delete. And, and Jesus addresses it at the end of the chapter. The third entity are three cities that Jesus addresses in Matthew 11. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. These three cities, Jesus did more miracles in these three cities than any other cities in the Fertile Crescent of that area of Israel at that time. These three cities saw Jesus powerfully doing things But they didn't get it. They didn't change. They didn't reset their lives. And Jesus says to them in Matthew 11, 23, And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead, the word there there is Hades. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom. Remember Sodom, Gomorrah, it was destroyed. But Jesus is now looking at Matthew 11 to this city called Capernaum and said, if the same thing that I did in you had been done in Sodom, it would still be here today. Capernaum never saw a control-alt-delete. They never reset after they heard and saw the miracles of God. In life, there are times that you just need to grab a control-alt-delete. You just need that three-finger salute to say, I just need to reset. And, And this last year of my life has been exactly that. 
Last year, for some reason, I just needed to take out that Control-Alt-Delete on a continual basis. There were times that I would go before God, and I'm, I wasn't even really sure that God was listening. I was like, okay, God, I've sent you prayer. I've tried emails. I've tried texts, God, but for some reason, I'm not sure what you're doing. And I don't know if you've ever been there before that you just kind of, you're seeking God and, and you're like, I don't know what you're doing, God. And it seems like the heavens are brass and you can't get through and you're blaming God for a lot of things and you think, well, what do I need to do? And the second thing that happened this year was stop striving in your own self. Sometimes as a type A personality on the disc personality, I'm a high D you just want to just keep going, and, and instead of resting and trusting in God, you say, oh, I'll just fix this myself, and, and that's what gets us in trouble, and that's why we need to do that control-alt-delete. Instead of trying to fix it, we need to reset. The third thing I saw in my own life was there were a lot of questions, a lot of questions. All right, God, I, I thought I was doing what you said, but why aren't you coming through on this? Or why didn't you take care of that? And, and sometimes in our questions, we need to stop and just trust that the answer will come in his time and the answer will come in his way. And the fourth thing that I felt like God asked me this year to do a control-alt-delete on is um, you don't know it all. You don't know it all. You need to be more teachable. And you say, wow, that sounds pretty uh, depressing. No. I remember sitting in front of my PC, and why isn't this thing working? And I thought, oh, control, alt, delete. And then all of a sudden, all the functions would come up, and I could then just close out. I could stop. I could reset. I could start over again. And sometimes in life, we need that. So let's go back to Matthew 11, and let's jump back on John the Baptist. I love to look at the setting of Scripture versus just reading it. And so I'm going to give you just a quick setting of Matthew 11. Um, John the Baptist is perplexed, he's discouraged, and he's disappointed. Even uh, Here's the guy, John the Baptist, that even Jesus said of him in Matthew 11, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. How would you like to be somebody that Jesus bragged on you like that? Any, among anybody ever born that's ever lived, no one's greater than John the Baptist. And yet we find in Matthew 11, John is discouraged. In fact, he's disappointed, and he's got a lot of questions. Throw it on top that John the Baptist is the guy who did what? He baptized Jesus. How would you like on your, have your resume, uh, John the Baptist baptized Jesus? I mean, that'd be pretty cool. You could brag about that. I, I baptized Jesus. I mean, I've baptized Bob, and I've baptized Ed, but I've never baptized Jesus. And, and John has this on his, on his resume of his life, and he's got a lot going for him. He has served God faithfully as the forerunner of Jesus, the Messiah. He had done a great job doing what he'd been asked to do. And John is now wondering, do I do a three-finger salute here? Do I do a control-alt-delete on my life? Because I'm not quite getting it. Look at Matthew 11, verse 2 either in your Bible or on the screen. John the Baptist, who was in prison. See, I left that part out. The guy that Jesus says there's no one else greater than John. The guy that baptized Jesus. The guy that was the forerunner. The guy that told the Messiah to come. He's in prison. 
He heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he, John the Baptist, sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? This is the guy that baptized Jesus. This is the guy that had been called to be the forerunner, but he's in prison. He's in prison. To me, it's a legitimate question. I mean, Jesus is doing some great things, and where's John at? He's in prison. And what we forget is that many times the location, surroundings, and people around us that we don't understand are the preparation for what God is attempting to reveal in our lives. Sometimes those people, that circumstance, that situation that you've been thinking, why isn't it going this way? It's God preparing you to reveal something in you of a control-alt-delete, of a reset in your life. Sometimes we may think that the prison that we're in, it's a prison, we're not getting out, but really, it's a listening station. John is in prison, Jesus is doing his thing, and now he's in prison. But no, it's a listening station because he's now contemplating, God, I know I was doing the right thing here, and I thought I was hearing from you, and I thought I was preparing the way for Jesus. And now he's getting his attention very clearly by sitting in a prison cell. God got his attention sitting there. And John does what I think many of us forget to do when we wind up in a prison and we forget it's a listening cell. And that is he said, you know what, go ask Jesus and I'm going to wait till I hear him speak. Look at Matthew 11 verse 4. John has sent his disciples and said, hey, go ask Jesus, are you the one or do I look for another? Matthew 11 4 says, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. And then Jesus lists some things that are happening. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Now that's exactly what John needed to hear. But I want you to notice the sweetness in Jesus' voice that he goes one step further. And this is why I love the scripture. Verse 6, and he, Jesus added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. He didn't have to add that. But John is sitting here perplexed saying, what in the world's going on? And Jesus says, oh, John, don't forget. God's going to bless you if you just don't fall away. Now let's jump to the end of Matthew 11 because I want to draw from this end passages here in Matthew 11 and see if we can walk away some things in our own life about control, alt, delete. How do we get resets in our life? In verse number 26, it says, now, yet father, it's pleased you to do it this way. My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father, and no one truly knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Now remember, up above that, he's dealt with John the Baptist. He's dealt with multitudes that are questioning who he is. And now he's dealt with three cities that he's performed so many miracles in them. And he's saying, I know who I am. I know who the father is. And then verse 28, Jesus said, come to me. These entities, many of them had turned on him, many of them didn't respect him, didn't, many of them didn't, weren't thankful, and he says, just come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, 
Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. In your notes, if you would, I'd like you to write down this statement. Four ways that we allow Control-Alt-Delete in our lives. Four ways that we allow Control-Alt-Delete. We allow resets in our lives. And here's the first one. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now, you notice the first part of that, the onus is on us. Come to me. I have to choose to come to Jesus. I, I can either say, I'll do it myself, I'll figure this out, I'll get through this, or I can come to him. And in order to truly make Jesus the Lord of our lives, he didn't say, come when you get your act together. You know what? When you get everything perfect, then come. He says, no, I want you to come with your habits, your hang-ups, and your sin. I want you to come with the things that are weighing you down. I want you to come when you're weary, when you just don't even know how to get through it. I, that's when I want you to come. Don't try to get perfect. Come to me. Anything that is weighing us down, bring it, he said. The challenge is sometimes we don't want to let go of the thing that's weighing us down. We're almost like a, 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 a newborn baby, uh, and this may be a little bit gross, I couldn't think of anything better, but when they sit there in their diaper, it's warm, it's cushy, and it's mine. You'll get that in a minute. And sometimes our habits, our hang-ups, the things that we're trying to get rid of, the area of sin, it's mine, I'm comfortable with it, I don't like it, but I'm sitting in it, it's going to be like this. And when we release the burden of sin, that release the habits, when we release those things that we're hung up on, we must admit that our sin, our hang-up, our habit, that very thing, that addiction, it's a burden. It's a burden, not a side hustle that we get to enjoy. Too many times we get so used to the things in our lives that we just make them into side hustles. I can still do it and get by. I've lived this long. Nobody's caught me yet. No. Come to me. Jesus is saying, come to me. When we come to him, it must be preceded by genuine repentance toward God. We can't come with selfish intentions. We can't come when we say, okay, I'll, I'll get right and then I'll come to God. No, no, no. All of you who are weary and are carrying some heavy stuff, Jesus has come. One of the best ways to get a control alt delete in our lives is come. Don't wait. Come. Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and when he also had had her husband killed. And he writes this psalm. You would think that now David, who has got a lot of burden and a lot of heaviness going on, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Notice how he's bringing it back to him. He's, he's taking responsibility. And he says, this thing that has been my weight, I've done it against you, Father. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. And then David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. When the realization hits us that what we're doing has broken the Father heart of God, then we want to run back to him and say, Create in me a clean heart. And all Jesus is saying, just come to me. Don't wait. Come. The quickest way to get a control-alt-delete in life is be willing to come to Jesus. The second thing is you've got to get to the place that you realize he'll give you rest. 
Before I go there, though, I, I thought back the idea of Mac or PC. When I was in my early age of college, uh, pre-days of word processing programs, today we have Microsoft Word, we have Apple, Ma Apple Pages. Uh, back when I first started college, there was no word processing programs. You had a typewriter. In fact, they're going to show you a picture of the typewriter that I used to work on. It's a IBM Selectric typewriter. And some of you are going to realize what this is. It's a, it's a boat anchor is what it is. It, they weighed a ton. Uh, they were horrible. And you sat there and typed. And the amazing thing about this is that when you were typing, I was a fairly fast typer, but I made mistakes. And back then on those typewriters, you had what was called whiteout strips. Did anybody ever know what those were, whiteout strips? When you messed up, you had to go back and hit the same mess up again, but when you did it, you put a whiteout strip in front of your mess up, and you hoped that the typewriter would hit exactly and it would cover up your mistake. You did a whiteout hoping to cover up the mistake. But many professors that I had would only allow a limited number of cover-ups on the page. They would look at the page, they could hold up the light, and they could see how many times you did a strike over, how many whiteouts. And so I can tell you times of sitting, writing papers that I would be two-thirds of the way through, and all of a sudden, ah, I messed up again. I get the whiteout, I hit it again. I thought, oh no, I'm over the limit. And what'd you have to do? You had to pull the paper out and type the exact same thing over again. Over again. Life can be just like that. We can either try to cover up and think we can strike at the right place and cover it up and nobody's going to know. Or we can ask God to help us to do a redo. Acts 3.19 says, repent of your sins, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Not covered up. Don't try to cover it up, but wiped away. See, here's the deal is, we're going to fail at times. I, I can tell you multiple times, I have just miserably failed. But just because I fail doesn't make me a failure. When I fail, the challenge is, do I continue failing or do I submit to a redo? Do I submit to a control-alt-delete and say, God, I, I need to really come back and get this right. I need a redo. I don't want to cover this up anymore. I want to find hope in this. And so once I've done that, the second thing I can do is what Jesus said. He said, I'll give you rest. So write down number two. After I've come to him, I have to be in a position to say, I'll give you rest. And notice the posture of receiving rest. And notice the source of the rest. Jesus said, I will give you. Jesus does not say, just try harder and you'll get through this. See, rest is a gift. Rest is unearned and unmerited. You said, oh my goodness, that sounds like the word grace. Because yes, grace and rest go together. Because there's something about true rest is found in salvation through the finished work of the cross. The very thing that we celebrate this morning in communion, it's the ability for us to say, I can rest in the fact that his blood, his body covers my sin. And it, redo, it redoes my life. It resets my life. Though my sins may have been as scarlet, he has made them white as snow. Not by striving harder or by doing better, but by coming and saying, Jesus, I want to receive the rest that you're giving me. In rest, it follows the realization. Rest comes when I finally realize that the penalty of my burdens, the penalties of my heaviness, the penalties of my habits, the penalty of my sin have been paid for once and for all, and God does not demand a second payment on those things. They're paid for. 
It's amazing to me that the very things that sometimes we go back and reflect upon our past, when you bring them before God, God says, I already forgot that. Because the Bible says he takes our sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west. The word rest in the original Greek is the word anapasis. And I, and I love the word because it's Christ's rest is not a rest from work, but in the work. You don't have to stop. But it's the rest, it's not the rest of just stopping, of inactivity, but it's the harmonious working of all the faculties and affections of my will, my heart, my imagination, and my conscience. It's when all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, all this stuff that I've tried so hard in my life, I can't do this because God is the ideal of my life. God aligning my heart, God aligning my will, God aligning my conscience and my imagination and my dreams coming to alignment with his dreams, not me just getting what I want. He said, I'll give you rest. See, rest comes from alignment and harmony to his will his dreams, and his imagination over my life. Here at Gateway, we believe that there's six pillars that are in our lives. Every one of us have these six pillars. Relational, spiritual, financial, physical, professional, and emotional. These six pillars of our lives, these things in our lives, are the gates. They are something that we need to align and strengthen and guard. Because when any of those six are out of alignment, rest is gone. There's no rest. We struggle. Have you ever met somebody that may be in great physical shape, but their finances are all jacked up? Or they may be doing real well relationally, but all of a sudden they're struggling professionally. And it's hard to find rest when those six things are out of alignment. When my relational, my spiritual, my physical, my financial, my professional, my emotional, when those things are not lining up and I'm not guarding those, it's hard to be at rest. One of the great ways to learn how to align those and strengthen those is through Gateway Life. And it starts the first weekend of August. And I encourage you, take the class. Get involved in that and find out how to strengthen those six pillars in your life. Jesus said, I'll give you rest. Here's the third thing I believe on Control-Alt-Delete. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. What does that mean? Submit your will. Give you to him, take away from you, and give it to him, the control of your life. In the New Testament, the phrase, take the yoke of, was used by the Jewish rabbis to mean, become the pupil of. Jesus was a rabbi, was realized, and was seen as a rabbi. He's saying that very thing. He's saying, take my yoke. He's saying, let me teach you, and you become the pupil. Jesus gives this invitation very clearly. I'm just asking you to let me come alongside and yoke with you. A yoke was uh, held like this, and two animals would be pulled together, and many times what they would do, they would take a very mild, tamed, well-trained ox, and then they would put with it a wild and weary ox to help train that one. And Jesus is saying the very thing. Let me, the teacher, take you and show you. See, the character of the teacher reveals the quality of the instruction. 
And so many times in a control-alt-delete, what you're doing is, who is speaking into my life? Who is teaching me? Who is showing me? And am I subjecting myself to others, or am I giving myself first to God? And Jesus said, I'm, ask, I'm just asking you, let me be the teacher, and you be the pupil. It's kind of a question that John the Baptist was contemplating. Do I continue to take your yoke, Jesus? Do I trust Jesus that you're going to reveal, lead, direct me the right way? And many times in life when things maybe are not going exactly like you think, you start saying, do I really want to yoke up? And I love, the, I love this metaphor of the oxen because how can we even consider that many times, knowing what we're capable of, Jesus says, I want you to come alongside of me. I want to ask you to come alongside of me. Let me be the teacher and you be the student. He says, I want to carry the weight that you've been carrying. And that's why he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, when you yoke up with me, let me carry it. You just stand next to me and walk with me. One of the great things about our life groups here at Gateway is the yoking together. God has hardwired each of us for connection. He's made us to live in connection. And it's the foundation from creation all the way to the purpose of the church. And we believe that people become their best when they live in consistent connections and they've yoked up both vertically with God and also with other people. My question today is, who are the people that you are allowing to be in your life? Who are the people that you're allowing to yoke up with you? Paul said in Corinthians, he said, bad company corrupteth good character. Why? Because the teaching of bad company corrupts the character of the people that receive it. And Jesus has said, just take my yoke. Let me teach you. And that's the fourth thing. Be teachable. Let me teach you. As we begin to come to him, as we begin to allow ourselves to say, I'll give you rest, and we receive that. And then when we begin to get to the place, I say, Lord, I want to take the yoke that you've asked me to take upon. The last thing I have to do is allow myself to become teachable. He says this, because I am humble and gentle in heart. Jesus says that about himself. I am humble and gentle at heart. In contrast to the Pharisees, which were harsh and proud, the real teacher is humble and gentle. Look at verse thirty. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light, and you'll find rest for your souls. Rest. This does not mean there will be no problems. This does not mean there will not be challenges, trials, or heartaches. It just means that we don't have to take it alone and bear it alone. He said, let me be there for you. Let me teach you. I believe that a yoke is a harness made for two. And Jesus is pleading, please let me be in that number one position in the yoke. Just let me be there. Just let me be there in your life. I think one of the secret sauce for true life is learning how to take the collar of self off and accept Jesus' invitation to the easy yoke of his. See, when you get yoked with Jesus, you can destroy the giant of discouragement. You can attack anger. You can defeat failure. You can begin to find freedom over worry and anxiety. You can tame temptation, and you can begin to destroy the giant of guilt that begins to plague our lives sometimes. Because many times in life, what we need 
is just another control, alt, delete, just to reset. Just to reset. Maybe a time just to come back to him. Many times in life, we knew what Christ was when we were younger, or we knew what Christ was when we were children. And all of a sudden, we started carrying a bunch of heavy stuff, and he got further away. But really what happened, he never left. We just went away from him. We drifted. And maybe you're here and you say you've never truly given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never truly come to him. You've known about him, but you've never truly engaged him in a relationship. You can come to him. The second thing he says, receive my rest. Maybe today is the day you stop striving. Stop striving. You're tired. You're tired of trying. You're tired of struggling. And you just need to find rest in him. Maybe there's some areas of your life you need to bring back into harmony with God's will. Back into harmony with God's purpose. And back into harmony with God's dreams. Many times we pursue dreams that God never intended for us to pursue. And we become so anxious and overwhelmed. Maybe today we need to take his yoke. You realize I don't have to do this alone anymore. I'm going to receive his yoke. And the last thing is, let him teach you. He said in 29, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and the burden I give you is light. Over the last year, there's been a song that I have played multiple times by Rita Springer from Gateway at Southlake. I've actually put this song on loop and just let it play over and over and over and over. In the moments when God was doing a control alt the lead and I was giving him, the, giving him my will and giving him, God, why did my house sell? And why didn't it sell quicker? And, and why are we going through this? And every time I would go to hit that, I would I'd pull the song back up by Rita Springer. And the song says, when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all my pieces and you put me back together. You're the defender of my heart. When I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. Sometimes in my selfishness, sometimes in my self-will, sometimes in those moments where I was trying so hard and, and I was the one trying to do it. He remembered where I had left me. And I can remember many times that tender voice of the Lord just saying, it's time for a reset, Phil. Time for a reset. I wonder today if there's someone here, or maybe in Tempe, maybe there's someone here, there. Or if you're watching online, maybe you just need a control-alt-delete in life. You've been striving. You've gone through some tough stuff. And many times pride or selfish ambition just keeps you moving. Maybe today is the day you take off the collar of self and you accept Jesus' invitation to his easy yoke 
That's light. Maybe you accept the fact that you let him become the teacher and you become the student. That you realize that his character in you is more important than your comfort. You've been looking for comfort, and he says, no, I'm trying to work on your character. Or maybe the day is the day that you recommit, you come back into harmony like you once knew you could be. You take that yoke back on again. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.